If you take the elevator up to the fourth floor of Kathy, you'll find the Vibrant Media Lab, a room that is much larger than it looks from the outside. You can go from the first room, filled with board games and a workbench, to the computer area, where you can play modern games or bust out something old school like Wario Land on the Virtual Boy. And then, if you go further into the back, you'll find the office of Dr. Zachary Horton, an assistant professor in the English department and the man who created the Vibrant Media Lab, as well as helped co-launch the digital narrative and interactive design major. This cool. project is called Archipelago, mm -hmm. and it's an open source, open world game system mm -hmm. that we're going to, when it's finished, we're going to put online so anyone anywhere can just download it. That's Dr. Horton now, describing a game he's making with his tabletop gaming class. Dr. Horton teaches several classes revolving around topics like analog and digital games and virtual reality. So um, as, a, as a professor, I do media studies, mm -hmm. is, my, is my main field, and um, I work on a wide range of things. So <laughs> my, my, my chief theoretical interest has been scale. Mm -hmm. And um, so my first book is about the relationship that humans have, human, between human, the relationship between humans, mm -hmm. technology, especially media technology, and our understanding of and access to other scales than the ones that we can immediately sense with our bodies. Uh, so my, my question is how do we how do we approach things that are large scale like the Earth mm -hmm. as a planet or our solar system or the galaxy or universe given that we can't directly experience any of those things mm -hmm. and um, how do we resolve them the that that can the answer is that we have to use media. And mm -hmm. so if we trace the history of science, technology, and media, we can start to understand how we, how we as humans produce identities in relation to scale, mm -hmm. right? How we incorporate or don't incorporate other scales, how we um, import or export characteristics of one scale to the other scales that we encounter through media. Um, the same goes for small scales. Mm -hmm. uh, I look at um, you know, the atomic scale, or the molecular scale, or the micro scale, mm -hmm. um, or the subatomic scale, the scale of viruses, <laughs> right? How mm -hmm. do we understand viruses? Well, that's mm -hmm. a really important question when it comes to global pandemics, mm -hmm. um, but we only understand viruses as in, in relation to the way that we resolve their scales, right? And we do that discursively, we do that through images, through sound, through text, mm -hmm. etc. right? So we have conceptual understandings of other scales and we have direct mediated experience of, of other scales. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm, what interests me is how we interface and at other scales and we can only answer that if we understand have a deeper understanding of media in relation to knowledge and experience so that's kind of my that's my my, <laughs> large, my the sort of large scope uh, picture of, of what I do but mm -hmm. I also um, in terms of specific media I'm interested in the history of computation mm -hmm. I'm in the, interested in the, the interrelationship between 
digital media and analog media. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in game studies in particular um, because I think that game, games and gamification define the current era of cult both culture and narrative mm -hmm. um, and media. <laughs> uh, games are the sort of dominant form of narrative media, dominant forms of, um, of capture and control in, in, in capitalism now. And, um, and also one of the chief forms of expression and interaction in both digital and analog spaces. And in fact, different forms of games sort of define our relationships to the analog and the digital. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my current work is, is, um, is in uh, computer history and in game studies. One of these classes is tabletop gaming. Students like Yager are both playing games to learn their mechanics and then collaborating to make their own. The tabletop gaming class uh, is an interesting class because the first part and the part that we're in right now is mostly kind of examining existing games mm -hmm. um, from the perspective of like, because it comes from the perspective of like maybe someone who's never played tabletop games before is in this class, right? So we play a lot of games that are pretty um, well-founded and respected in like the board game community as like really good games. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so stuff like, uh, let's see, we, we recently played Fort, which is, if you ever heard of like Root or Oath, it's like a company called Leader Der Games is like very famous for like putting out really good board games. So we played that recently. Um, uh, we played Fireball Island, which was like a big hit in, uh, I think it was the, was it the eighties or early on? I, I don't entirely remember, but we essentially play both modern and historical board games to kind of understand the design. And we do some, like we read readings and do pieces on that. And then the, the main thing that Zach mentions, mentioned to you, the archipelago game is actually a game that is, been designed by students and him as like an exterior project mm -hmm. that we played in class and we are doing kind of like a game design analysis assignment and like doing feedback. So it's like this game has been developed over multiple years and our feedback is going into it during the development of that. And the way that that game works is essentially you play as explorer teams on these islands, which are literal like islands that have been built from like 3D printed parts and plaster. So it's clearly an open source game. Um, so all you need for it is like to build your own island and then the rule book and stuff is all free. That's kind of the point of it. So anybody can play. And uh, so it's kind of designed where you kind of go around and you essentially like you play as different teams. And usually you play as like a company extracting resources from the island. And so in places like the protectors who are trying to like the environmentalists, right, trying to stop them from getting the stuff from the island. So it's a pretty competitive game. It's a little complicated, not something I would probably recommend for people just coming into board games, but definitely has a, a place for itself. And the really cool part about the class is as kind of the final assignment, we are going to be designing, um, or I guess I should explain something first. So in, in Archipelago, there are scenarios so essentially, like, um, there are the islands, of course, and which are like the playing boards, but it's kind of, there's a, a narrative slash role-playing element of like, why are you at this island? Mm -hmm. And so each kind of player group is going to decide differently, right? So for instance, the one game that I played for lab play, we had two teams, because we only had six players, where one people were the protectors trying to help the indigenous people keep their resources, while the other one was a company that specifically was mining ore. Right. So they focused on and that was like the storyline that we put forward that made the mechanics in the game kind of make sense. And so for our um, 
kind of final adult assignment, having analyzed Archipelago and played through and all that stuff and given our suggestions for how it can be improved, we're going to be designing our own scenario as like a game design challenge and then playing through it and improving that. So the tabletop gaming class is kind of twofold, an examination of board games, both historically and modern, but also um, game design analysis specifically and game design practice of how to like design these type of things using a framework like Archipelago. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. Um, however, he also gives the option if you want to design your own game from scratch, that is also available. But mm-hmm. as Zach knows, that's a lot of work, so which is why he gives kind of the archipelago option. So it's like, you know, you don't have to start from nothing if you don't want to put in that extra time. Another class Dr. Horton is teaching this semester is virtual reality, which Amy here is currently taking. So um, the reason why I chose that class is because I'm working for, we're working in the psychology, kind of psychology lab, and we have research projects in using VR, using virtual reality. And so I just thought there's a course about this. I'm just going to learn, you know, some techniques or like the history behind it. But um, I wasn't expecting to learn a lot of about philosophical thinking or philosophical ideas about virtual reality. And this is um, something that I thought very interesting about this course is that how Dr. Horton, um, you know, include all kinds of formats of materials that, you know, ranging from readings or philosophy readings or, or like YouTube's or, you know, vintage video games to let us to you know, engaging virtual reality, like the the development uh, development process of virtual reality. So it has been really fun and also very educational as well. Well, I've been enjoying every single lecture actually. <laughs> um, so we started with um, talking about what is reality, which is a very philosophy mm-hmm. kind of topic, and we read. Plato, we read um, you know, Asian Chinese uh, philosophers' works, and I just thought that was a very unique approach for a um, creative work um, course. I know this course also fulfills uh, philosophy thinking, um, gen ed, but still, like, it's titled virtuality, and I just thought it was very unique um, approach to start the course with thinking about what is reality. And those discussions I enjoy very, very much. And recently we are, uh, well, actually last week and the week before, we um, kind of talked about the early beginnings of 3D images. Mm-hmm. And we used those kind of um, devices from actually the Victorian times. <laughs> to view the 3D images back from then. And um, and we are actually doing a project where we create our own 3D images um, due next week, actually. So I'm working on that, those recently. And, you know, just how um, we started with philosophies about um, reality and then we kind of look into 3D images which is you know still images and now I'm seeing as we are kind of getting into 
the early start of virtual reality, which is, you know, just getting more and more more modern, more technical, as we progress in the class. Outside classes in the Vibrant Media Lab, Dr. Horton helped develop the Digital Narrative and Interactive Design major, a joint project between the School of Computing and the School of Arts and Sciences. The creation of the D&ID major was, at the institutional level, um, a response to the School of Computing and Information becoming its own school, mm-hmm. So, which is to say the departments of Computer Science, Information Science. Um, basically breaking off and becoming their own school, mm-hmm. aside from Dietrich. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happened, it stranded a lot of, a lot of people who mm-hmm. um, wanted to double major. You mm-hmm. can't, without, it's difficult, it's difficult for an undergrad to double mm-hmm. major across schools. Um, double majors are set up to be within a particular, within one school. So if you want mm-hmm. to double major across schools, you actually have to fulfill both schools' requirements, which means the gen eds are all yeah. very different. So it's way, way harder and more cumbersome than mm-hmm. double majoring within a school. Um, and that became a huge problem because there mm-hmm. are plenty of people who wanted to do information science or computer science um, in relation to something in the sciences or humanities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because that was such a problem, um, the upper administration recognized this mm-hmm. and basically um, let us know mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were open to some new cross-school majors. Mm-hmm. But this is a huge undertaking. Anyway, so when I heard that, that, that um, and I thought, well, a lot, and this was only in my second year as a mm-hmm. professor here, um, so it was very early on for me. Mm-hmm. But I immediately thought, well, this is a huge opportunity mm-hmm. because it's both a problem because I, I already know that some that many of my own my students would like to cross over and do mm-hmm. work in coding and um, uh, and digital you know digital work of various kinds, mm-hmm. um, but in a humanities vein. Um, so I already knew it was going to affect them. It already did affect some of those, some of my students. I thought, well, we have to solve this problem, and we need to bring these these departments closer together, not further mm-hmm. apart, right? So how mm-hmm. can we do that? But it was also an opportunity to create a curriculum that was greater than the sum of its parts, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't just so students could could you know do both and um, and work between these different schools, but I really was interested in, in this this conjunction between uh, creative work mm-hmm. and critical study in games and narrative, right? So we combined it all. Mm-hmm. It was it was a chance to create a major that is about narrative studies, um, but specifically looking at different kinds of media and and specifically also for people who are interested in designing and creating within those forms of media. Um, that's a rare thing. There aren't mm-hmm. many majors like that at universities because it's hard to combine mm-hmm. s- such radically different fields, in this case, mm-hmm. three different three different modes and fields, right? Um, um, basically, computer and information science, nar- narrative, mm-hmm. and critical making, you know, being able, mm-hmm. being able to make these things in relation to a, a greater understanding of cultural history and, and genre studies and all the things mm-hmm. um, that are useful for anyone who wants to, to create things, right, to make um, interactive fiction of various kinds, whether that's 
games or, or you know, different kinds of media. Um, or, and maybe our, our weirdest track of the three tracks we mm -hmm. created for DNID is the critical making track, mm -hmm. um, which is meant for people who want to create physical things um, mm -hmm. that also have informational um, dynamics, right? Whether that's various kinds of robots or various mm -hmm. kinds of um, wearable technology or, or, or other things, right, that mm -hmm. take into account larger cultural narratives, mm -hmm. um, things that the humanities study, but also do so in a kind of engineering and, and coded, coded way, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's one track of the major that I'd like to grow more. Mm -hmm. um, it partly arose out of my critical, or it's connected to my critical making course. Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of one of my, one of my one of my favorite courses uh, that I mm -hmm. developed in teacher. Also, very weird course because it's combining history of making and philosophies of making and materiality <laughs> mm -hmm. with digital studies. Um, it looks a lot at newer technology, newer maker technologies, and the newer maker maker movements. Mm -hmm. Things like open source, things like three D printing. Um, and the kinds of practices and communities that those enable. Um, that course, which I really love, mm -hmm. has a, get, gets a, a crazy blend of students from just different disciplines. I always get mm -hmm. a bunch of engineers um, who are coming um, wanting to have a, a greater sort of philosophical and cultural understanding of, of making things, right, mm -hmm. of, what, of what engineering One could second. be. Yeah, I do a check. As for the Vibrant Media Lab, Dr. Horton has a few places he'd like to see it go. I'm quite happy with what we've done so far. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to, I'd like to build on, I would like to see more faculty-driven projects. Mm -hmm. We have faculty that work on multiple projects here, but um, I would like to see larger collaborations mm -hmm. between faculty. Usually it's faculty-led. Um, and it's grad students and undergrads who are working mm -hmm. on projects, but I would love to see more a larger faculty, mm -hmm. faculty and faculty from different disciplines um, doing larger scale projects. So that's one thing. Um, I, I mean, other, I don't know. I mean, the nature of the lab is that people bring their energy and we experiment and create and do crazy things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what will come next, but in some ways that's mm -hmm. just, that should emerge, right? I look forward to more emergent projects and just following them any way I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the things that we've talked about here, um, the right next door is CAP, um, the Center for African American mm -hmm. Poetry and Poetics. And... Um, We've been wanting to do a large, a larger collaboration for quite some time. Something like a a, um, a black making project. This is also a maker lab, and like I said, all those things come together. We wanted to do some kind of like black making um, mm -hmm. as a project. So that you know, things like that, collaborations with other labs and spaces is mm -hmm. another area that I really wanted to do more in the future. If you want to read more about Dr. Horton, you can pick up a copy of our special Silhouettes edition wherever you get the pit news, or check out our website under Silhouettes 2023. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.